trust you, Lord. We love you. And Adonai is the Hebrew name of God that we study today. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Exodus chapter 4. And I'll read verses 10 through 17. I feel a little bit like the marathon runner in 490 B.C. You remember the story? Legend has it that during the battle of Marathon between the Greeks and the Persians that the Greeks prevailed against the mighty Persian Empire and a runner ran the 26 miles from the battle back to Athens, Greece, and he gave the good news and he fell over and and died. Now, I don't want to press that analogy too far, but I do feel like that runner. You know, there are times when you have an urgency about you, and, you know, studying the names of God does that to me. It gives me such a passion, uh, such an energy, such a dynamism that I can't wait to share with you from the Word of God Uh, what God has emblazoned and imprinted upon my heart this week in study. I'll just give it to you. I don't know what your response is, and uh, it's kind of hard to gauge sometimes. I think some people, you know, they they, they listen, but they're just a little more reticent, and they're just kind of unpacking it and taking it in. And others are like me, a little more demonstrative, you know, and raise their hands, may shout a a little bit. But I am just going to be responsible today for hopefully exhorting you and encouraging you and maybe even teaching you something about this Hebrew name of God, this name called Adonai. It is the name Lord and Master. It occurs 300 times, at least 300 times in our Hebrew Bibles, in the Hebrew Old Testament. Whenever you see it, it'll be capital L, little o, little r, and little d. You juxtapose that with capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a whole entirely different Hebrew word. That is the word uh, Jehovah or Yahweh. And so today we're going to come to one of the first usages of this name Adonai. And my prayer today is that you'll receive this message. And I'm just going to run to you like the marathon runner and just give it to you with urgency, uh, with excitement, with expectation that you'll take this word of God And that the Spirit of God would tenderize your heart, He would massage your spirit, that He would bolster you, encourage you, energize you so that you could receive God's Word for you today. And so it says, then Moses, he called out or he said to Jehovah, there it is, capitals, all caps. The Hebrews today, some of the Jews will not even write that name. They won't even say his name. In fact, they will abbreviate it out of reverence for his name. Uh, rabbis won't, won't say that name, Jehovah or Yahweh. It's just too holy. It's just too reverent for them. And he said, oh my Adonai. Do you see the juxtaposition? Do you see it now? In the Hebrew, it's dis- delineated with all caps, Yahweh, and then capital L-O-R-D for Adonai. He says, Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he says, So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, Moses? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall say. And you remember the context? Remember this is God telling Moses, Go speak to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. A very recalcitrant, stubborn soul he is. But Moses, I am commissioning you. I am calling you out. I could have asked 
any of these two million Jews here, but I am asking you, Moses, I am commissioning you, giving you the mandate, go and speak to them and tell him, Pharaoh in particular, let my people go. That's right. Let my people go. And Moses responded in verse 13. He said, oh, Lord, no, please ask somebody else. You ever felt like that? God says, I want you to do this. Oh, no, no, no. And you begin to argue. And you begin to debate. And what is so amazing to me is we say, God, and simultaneously, I can't. Which to me is the epitome or the grandiose contradiction of all contradictions. He says, Lord, Adonai... Boss, master, controller, king, I'm sorry, I can't. So God got mad. Verse 14 says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, his servant, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. Remember, he's like, Lord, don't, don't ask me. I am an 80-year-old tongue-tied shepherd, don't speak real well, speech 101, I failed, Aaron passed with A-plus, fine colors. God, here he is, look at him, he's so handsome, so kind, so fine. Ask him, God, don't ask me to do your dirty work, ask him. And God got mad, God said, no, Moses, I'm asking you. I know Aaron can speak well. And look, he is coming toward you. He's, out, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now... You, <laughs> Moses, you are going to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and I will be with his mouth. And I will teach you what you will do, what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman for you to the people. Now watch this, church, verse 16. It's okay, Moses. He can speak on your behalf to the people. That's cool, but not to Pharaoh. I am commissioning you, assigning you, mandating you. This is an imperative for you, Moses. I want you to witness to your neighbor. I don't want Aaron to. I want you to go on the next mission trip. I'm not so concerned about the other person. I want you to do this. What sayest thou, Moses? Listen to me carefully. I will be with you, and I will be with your mouth. I will teach him. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as your mouth for you. And you shall be to him, look at this, as Elohim. You will be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, and you will do the signs. So let's pray together. Would you bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes, and just try to put aside the, the distractions, the worries, the concerns, the bills, the debt, the whatever it may be. And let's just galvanize our wills upon the altar of God and just say, God, speak to us. Father in heaven, we call out to you today as a people here that, Father, collectively, corporately, we lift our voices to you. Father, we recognize that you are awesome. You are the true, triune, holy God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we recognize our absolute dependence upon you. Lord, you are not dependent on anybody or anything but we are unequivocally, oh God, dependent upon you, contingent upon your very blessings to sustain us, God, to empower us to be the people that you've called us to be. So, Lord, my prayer today is for Great Hills Baptist Church and our guests and all of those who are listening, Lord, here in Austin and those that are listening all over America, Lord, as we're on DirecTV, I pray for them that they would hear the word of God today. And that, Lord, we would respond with these words, Yes, Lord, here am I, 
send me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Number, there are three things I want to look at with you today in this message that God has given me. Number one is a word of definition. We're going to define the best we can this Hebrew word, Adonai. Look at it within its text and context and then try to extrapolate from the text those very definitions or meanings of God's name, Adonai. And number two, we're going to look at this very powerful contradiction. It is there. In fact, guys, we, we don't need to get too upset with Moses because not only does Moses do it, Gideon does it, Abraham does it, Jeremiah does it. Sprinkled throughout the Old Testament, you have men of God that love God. And they will say these words, God, you are the boss, but I'm not going to do what you tell me. To me, that is just an incredible contradiction. But I can't judge them. I can't point my bony, righteous finger at them because I got about 18 other fingers pointing at me. Did you ever notice that? When you point at somebody, three other fingers are pointing right back at you. And so we do that. We say, oh, yes, theologically, technically, um, yes, you are God, but please don't, please don't tell me what to do. We, we struggle with that. So number three will be a point of application. And there are three very distinct points of application I'm going to try to make that if you'll pray for me today, pray for me, would you? Pray for me today. And God might really speak to me, and I could speak words to you that will encourage you, that will bless you. Listen, I take your 45 minutes very seriously. And I want to just pack as much as I can in this message so that it might feed you and encourage you so that you can go out and live a life that is pleasing to God. So let's begin, number one, with the word of definition. If you'll look at Exodus chapter 3, and Exodus chapter 3 is the first kind of commissioning of God. He's already called him through the burning bush experience. And he says in verse 10, he says, Now come on, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel. Now catch this, guys. 80-year-old Moses. Moses, who already killed an Egyptian, fled the backside of the Midian desert, and God comes to him and calls him out. He says, you are going back, going back to where it was hard, going back to where you killed somebody, and I am going to forgive you and empower you and encourage you, Moses. Come on now. Go to Pharaoh and say, let him go. And he says, Look at verse 11, what Moses says. I don't want to go through the motion. Hello. Verse 10, 11. What Moses said. There it is. He said to God, who am I? In other words, God, you have made a grave error and mistake. Who I have killed people, God. I, am, I stutter when I speak, God. I am not the most eloquent. Who am I? that I will go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. And so God, he, he commissions him, he, he tells him, he confronts him, and yet Moses says, Adonai, and simultaneously, I'm sorry, you got to ask somebody else to do your work. Well, by way of definition, let, let me give you about four or five words that define. If you're taking notes, then I want you to write these down real quickly. Number one, it means to rule. Adonai literally means to rule, to be sovereign, to control, to be the Lord, the master, and the owner. Now, all of those attributes are given to God. That, that is what's encompassed in his name. Adonai, Lord, King, Boss, Sovereign, 
providential, awesome God that you are. Look at this, guys. Whenever we call out to God's name, Adonai, we take this posture. We say, God, you are God the king, and I am the vassal. I am the servant. I am the subservient one. You call it, God. You make the demands, and I give it to you, God, and I will go and do what you tell me to do. That's what we're supposed to do, but that's not what we do. That's not what they did oftentimes in the Bible because in this truncated, twisted way, we think we know better than God, and so we begin to rationalize, we begin to debate, we begin to give our remonstrance, we begin to say, but God, you messed up. God, you, you need to ask her. Lord, she's a whole lot prettier. She sings a whole lot better. And Lord, she's so much more eloquent than me. God, please get her to do it and just leave me alone. Thank you. Amen. We do that. The word Adon in the singular is always used of man but never used of God. Just an interesting little factoid, a tidbit of interesting Hebrew here. Adon is always used with reference to man being superior to other men, like an employer and an employee, a, a boss and a servant. And we, we're in that nomenclature. We know that world. We got bosses and we, we serve them. But whenever that root word Adon is used of God, check this out, guys. It's never used in the singular. It's always used in the plural. It's always Adonai, or it's always Elohim, which is the plural. Now, there's a couple things you can do with that. Number one, I see it as a plurality of God's majesty, a plurality of his holiness and how awesome he is. Hard to speak of God in the singular, man. We got to use the plurality. We got to use the plural. And I also see, tucked within this, a very powerful theological or doctrinal truth that early on in God's self-revelation of who he is, he's, he is, he was, he always will be, check this out, the triune God, Father Son and Holy Spirit. Notice I did not say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as if they are lesser in deity. No, He is a triune, one in three, three in one, Adonai, plural, awesome God. He's boss. He's B-O-S-S, L-O-R-D, K-I-N-G. He is the Lord. That, that's His name by way of definition. I like the way one writer describes it. Listen, listen to this. Dr. Hemphill, Ken Hemphill in his book, The Names of God, he says, quote, throughout the Bible, throughout scriptures, those who know God as Adonai will always exhibit these characteristics. And he gives three. Number one, they acknowledge themselves as servants. You know, it's really neat when you... When you read these texts of Moses and later we'll look at Gideon and later on we'll look at Jeremiah... Initially, theologically, cognitively, mentally, academically, intellectually, they get it. You are God, and I am not. You are God, and I am a servant. You are God, but I'm not going to do what you tell me. This is so strange to me. You, you call the shots. You ask me whatever to do. Oh, but Lord, don't ask me to do that. I, I just could no way do that. And that's such a... That's such an interesting dynamic there, and we'll get to that in a moment called the contradiction. But number one, we initially at least acknowledge that we are servants. Number two, Hempel says, we understand that the master... Now, look, watch this. When we get over our unbelief... Ooh, look here. And we start treading out into the waters of belief, then he says we begin to recognize that the master is the one who can empower us 
to do what he's asking us to do. Isn't that cool? So we kind of move out of this realm of fear and trepidation and, oh, no, I can't do it. Oh, you start moving out like Moses will in just a moment, and you recognize that the master can supply all your needs. And finally, God can do whatever God calls us to do. He will empower us to do it. He just wants us to trust him. So all of this is just kind of in this name Adonai, Lord, Master, King, Controller, Sovereign, and we are his servants. We are subservient. You say, yeah, I can see why Oprah had a problem with that, Pastor, because she just came right on out and said, I don't like that. I don't like somebody bossing me. I don't care if he is God. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like that. Well, guess what, Oprah? You don't get a vote on that. I mean, next time you create a universe, you call the shots. Next time you rise from the dead, you tell us what to do. You know what I'm saying? He is boss. And the people who are most free and the people who are liberated understand that there is this bondage that leads to freedom, you see. And there is a freedom that leads to bondage. So I want to go with the former, that there is a bondage, a captivity of my soul, a surrender of my being to the one who created me, the one who loves me and is so liberating and so freeing to say, Adonai, Lord, here I am. So let's go number two to the contradiction because we all deal with this. We all struggle with it. But we're not going to stay here, okay? I'm not going to beat us up for long. I'm just going to show us that this is part of the deal, the contradiction. All right, so we've looked at Exodus 3, 10, and 11. And now we've come over to Exodus 4. We understand the, the context of what is going on. He calls God Adonai, Lord and boss, and then he says, I cannot. But it's interesting. Let's go back to our text in verse 11. What God does to his stubborn servant. I love this, guys. Look, look. Exodus 4, 11 says, So the Lord said to him, Excuse me. You're telling me you can't go speak on my behalf? Who put that tongue in your jaws? Where'd you get those teeth, brother? Evolution really is amazing if y'all think about it. I mean, it puts the teeth right where they're supposed to be. See? And it puts the tongue, that little, little doohickey there, the tongue. It puts, everything is just right. And God says, hey, by the way, I did that. And if, ooh, look, look at the implication. And if I, almighty God, could craft a mouth, if I could create teeth and tongue and lips and gums, don't you think that I'm an I'm capable of putting words in those mouths. That's, that's a good word. And so I can see Moses going, mm, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> you know, uh, Sorry, sorry about that, Lord. You know, I, for every positive illustration I can give about me, I can give you about is somebody else speaking. Is it just me? Y'all, anybody else hear somebody else speaking? Maybe it's my echo. Whenever I give you a positive illustration, I can give you like 10 negative illustrations of me. But if you'll allow me, I want to give you one positive one that happened to me related to this story, this text. Talking about speaking. You say, well, Brother Danny, you speak all the time. And, and surely it just comes easy for you. Not really. Not really. But I was um, pastoring in Virginia, and I was attending the Southern Baptist Convention, and thousands of messengers were there. And I get a phone call early one morning while I'm having my quiet time, and the president of the Southern Baptist Convention says, 
um, I want you to speak to the convention tonight. I want you to write a speech, and then I want you to give it to the convention tonight and recommend this person that I think ought to be the vice president. I was like, excuse me? You know, do you have the right number in the right room number? And I was just, my heart just began to pound. And it was Paige Patterson. You know, when the Lord and Paige Patterson calls you, you know, you just got to say, okay, here I am. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I, I just want to come to the convention and listen to other people speak. And boy, I you, it ruined my day. All day I was upset. I was just like, because I, I am Mr. Manuscript, okay? I, I study and I prepare and I memorize and it upset my little equilibrium, my little speech equilibrium. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. But then I made the grave error of saying, okay, sure, I can do that. And so that day I'm writing. I don't even know this guy very well, but I've got to say all these things about him, research him. And then, and by the time it was over, I had my little outline, I had my speech, and I walked up to the pulpit. And there were all these people. I tripped over the flowers, knocked over the podium, busted my head, blood was... I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. But that's what the devil tells you is going to happen, right? Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't speak for God. You can't go talk to your neighbor. You surely can't go on a mission trip. You cannot do those things. And God says, if I've asked you to do it, I will empower you to do it. I will equip you. I will help you. Made the speech, you got elected, good story, amen, okay? So if God asks you, then step on, step on out. Listen to these, li listen to these words out of uh, Judges. Can we pull up Judges? Watch this. This is another cool illustration of contradiction. It's a biblical illustration of Judges 6, 14. Watch this. Then the Lord, Yahweh, turned to Gideon and said, Young Gideon, my friend, go! Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Oh, watch this. Then he said to him, oh my, what's the Hebrew word? Come on, church. But come on. What's the Hebrew word? Adonai. It's right on your bulletin. Amen. Adonai. He goes, no. Just like Moses. No. How can I save Israel? And, and then he begins to give God the reasons why. Okay, oh, okay, Lord, listen. Because I am the least in my clan. It's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry I made a mistake. No. Listen to this. When God asks you to do something, he does not stutter. He knows what he's doing. He makes no mistakes. He goes, listen to me. I will be with you, my friend, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And so here you have this, these men of God, these servants of God, recognizing God intellectually, theologically as Lord, but then the grand contradiction is we call him Lord, but we don't do what he tells us. Jesus said this, listen to these words in Luke 6, 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say. I like the way these German commentators who are describing Exodus chapter 4, listen to what they said, quote, Moses' difficulties were all exhausted and removed by the assurances of God. But this only brought up to light the secret reason in Moses' heart. You see, he didn't want to do it. Ha. Ah. 
He did not wish to undertake the divine mission. And so, as a result, he began to argue with God and say, God, I'm going to be disobedient to you. Lord, I know you've asked me to do this, but Lord, there are a few things that you don't understand. And it's like God says, oh, really? Would you please inform me what I have missed, what I don't understand? Well, first of all, Lord, I stutter when I speak. Aaron doesn't stutter when he speaks. Just look at him, just cool, gentle, kind, calm. Aaron, go ask him. And God says, I didn't ask him. I ask you. You know, I came across this article this week. I want to share some of it with you. It's written by Perry Noble. He's a pastor in South Carolina, struggling little mission church, runs about 10,000 uh, every, every Sunday. And he goes, there are three lies we often use to excuse our disobedience. And the disobedience lies in God saying, do this, and we begin to argue, and we give these three statements. Someday, someone somewhat. The first one is someday. He says, one of the biggest lies we can tell ourselves when God clearly speaks to our hearts is, someday, someday I will get help for my marriage. Someday, God, I'll help plant that church. Someday, I will invite him or her to church. Someday, I will begin reading my Bible. Someday, I will get serious about my physical health. But, but Pastor Perry says, and someday usually ends badly because someday hardly ever turns into done day. Number two, he says, someone. He goes, now, you've got to understand his sits in Laban as a, as a pastor. He goes, I get this one a lot. He goes, someone. God speaks to my congregation, and he tells them, Here's what I want you to do. And they respond by saying, get some, someone, someone else. And here's the quote. I've often told people, your burden will never become my passion. The reason God gave you the burden is because he wants you to do something about it. So what are you telling me, Brother Danny? That I'm supposed to go talk to my neighbor? That's what we're paying you to do. You come to my neighbor and you invite him to church. No, that's your responsibility. And that's what this pastor is saying. He's going, someone is you. Listen to the last one, somewhat. He said, I'm still learning that partial obedience is still complete disobedience. We can't halfway do what God is calling us to do and expect him to be happy with a half-hearted effort. If he's called you to do something, then he will complete his work if we will be faithful to complete our work. And so really, they're all excuses. God's the Lord. He's the boss. He speaks through his word. He speaks through other people. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through prayer. And God speaks powerfully, succinctly, and he calls us to mission. He calls us to be a people of obedience. He calls us to go out and reach and touch and heal and help and do. And the problem is not in God's call. The problem is in us and our response. So what sayest thou? God says, okay, I want you to do this on my behalf. Speak for me. Act on my behalf. What will you do? To say no is the epitome, the very personification of contradiction. So now let me go to number three. And this is the runner in me. This is the marathon runner. I could not wait to come and share with you some of these words of application uh, derived from the story, the text, 
And I just pray God will speak to you through it. There are three things in this text that I pray that God would really specifically speak to your heart and to mine about. And the first one has to do with serving. Okay, it has to do with service. God gave Moses a prodigious task. Stay with me, guys. It, It was not just speaking. It was serving. Moses was no dummy. He knew that once he began to speak for God, he had to act for God. He knew that if if he goes down this road and he begins to confront Pharaoh, then he knows that he will have to live a life of service to God, being distinguished as a servant of God. And that's where he struggled. And he, he, he begins to make these arguments, these excuses. Oh, no, someone, someday, some other. No, Lord, I'm, I'm not eloquent. Oh, no, Lord, please don't ask me to do that. I can't. And God says, no, but you can. Listen to this. For Aaron... To speak to Pharaoh will take no miracle. But if Moses speaks to Pharaoh, it will take the intervention of God. And that's the way it is with some of us. For us to do what God is calling us to do, it will take a miracle of God. Ooh, listen to this word God gave me. I had to put this one on the Facebook post. Amen. I don't get many original thoughts, but when I do, I got to write them down. So let's listen to this thought God gave me. Here it goes. God always empowers his servants to accomplish the task he gives them. And the moment we step out on faith to accomplish the task that he's given us is the moment that God shows up. So he says, come, go, serve. Now, King David, he he captures this so so well. And I want to show you this in the text. Look at King David as he goes before the Lord. He sits before the Lord and he says, who am I? Who are we? Thank you. That you would be mindful of us. He says, who am I? Oh, oh, Adonai Yahweh. And what is my house that you have brought me this far? Stay with me, uh, Great Hill. Stay with me. We're going somewhere with this. And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Adonai, God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant for your word's sake and according to your own heart. You have done all of these things. All of these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, listen guys, for the fifth time. Fifth time, God, you are Adonai, for there is none like you, nor is there any other God besides you. David got this absolutely, pristinely correct. He says, God, you are Adonai five times, and three times he says, I am Ebed. You say, excuse me? Ebed is the Hebrew for slave. The corollary in the Greek New Testament is, you are kurios, you are Lord, and I am doulos. I am servant, I am slave. You are the king, I am the vessel. You are the Adonai, I am the Ebed. You are the kurios, I am the doulos. Lord, you call the shots, and I will serve you. Now, hold on, TV, time out. Here's the issue. The problem is, is in our service. We have some way, somehow, 
twisted and truncated to that we are the Adonai and God is the Ebed. He is our servant and we are the one who calls the shots. If you don't believe that, then just check your attitude when you come to church. We have a love boat mentality. Now, let me explain what the love boat is. The love boat. Y'all don't remember that. You, you young folks, the love boat in the 80s was this cool little cruise ship. What, the Carnival, the Royal Caribbean? Work with me, amen. How many of y'all ever been on a cruise? Okay, thank you. How many of you would like to go on a cruise? Me too. Well, the love boat or the carnival mentality is, okay, I am here, serve me. Just pick the right music that I want. Just preach just the right distance that I would like for you to. Make the temperatures right. Uh, Terry, make sure you dress the way that I want you to. And preacher, say exactly what you want me to say, what, what I think you ought to say. And so somehow we have truncated and twisted ecclesiology in church to me. It's all about us. That's what the newsboys say. It's all about me, me. I mean, it's all about what I can take. It's bad singing, but it's, it's good theology. He says, it's all about me. It's all about serving me. This is American consumerism on steroids. We think that the church and we think that everything revolves around us. We are the sun and everybody else are the planets and they rotate around us because it's all about me, myself, and I. And I'll tell you guys, that is a hard place to live because it is absolutely the antithesis of Scripture because God's the boss and we're the servants. Listen to what David Platt says. Oh, this is strong. Listen to this strong as goat's breath. Let me read it. He says, quote, yet in, Amer in the American dream where self reigns as king and queen, we have a dangerous tendency in the church to misunderstand, minimize, and even manipulate the gospel in order to accommodate our assumptions and our desires. Here's the quote. As a result, we desperately need to explore how much of our understanding of the gospel is American and how much of it is biblical. You know, Brother Kyle and I were talking about this last week. We had an epiphany out in the parking lot. You know, sometimes God speaks in the parking lots, and we were talking about what's the opposite of the love boat or the carnival is the battleship. You with me? The battleship. The battleship are for hostile, agile, mobile soldiers. Here, here's, the, here's the analogy God has given me. And I hope you all wrap your arms around this. I hope you accept it. If you don't, then take it up with the Lord because he gave me this. Here's what we do. We come to God and we come into the Christian life. And we come to church and we have one of two positions and postures. We can say, Lord, you are the boss, you are the, you are the king, and I am the servant, or we can do the other. Here, here's what God gave me. Listen to this. What I long for in this church is the day, and I pray that it's not too far in the distant, that we will be so absorbed with God and serving Him that we're, that we're worn out, that we just give and go and love and sacrifice and help so that when we come to church, we're like, Woo, man, I am just wore out. You know, I am just tired. I've been giving and going and serving and helping. And I come to church and I come to church. I'm so tired that I just need God to fill my tank and rev my engine so that I can get, 
so that I can get back out of here and work and serve and help and love and give. So when Sunday comes, oh, I'm tired again. Man, I just like, whoo, man, I just need the Lord. I just need him to fill me up. Listen, guys, the reason we come to church and we want to be served is because we haven't been serving. We come to church and we're not tired. Man, we come to church on Sundays, we ought to be wore out and say, oh, God, fill me up. Lord, let me sing these songs. God, let me, let me just be replenished and let me just get fired up again so that I can go and serve. Y'all catch that? That's a big difference. That's a big, that's a big difference. I don't know about y'all, but I am tired. Y'all should have seen the cameraman. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It was funny. It was, it was cool. I had no idea I was going to do push-ups in church this morning. Nowhere here in the manuscript. All right, number one is service. Number two is sharing or witnessing. Really, this starts out, this pericope here starts out with Moses needing to speak. Moses is terrified. He's intimidated. The prospect of speaking terrified Moses. Would y'all, the few of you that would be bold enough to admit it, for God to ask you to speak on his behalf, absolutely, unilaterally, unequivocally, terrifies, scares you to death. Would you just raise your hand? Just, just be honest. Bless your soul. Bless, my brother over here, he, he's not intimidated. Amen. But many of us are. Many of you are. And you, you're a little bit reticent. You're a little bit quiet. You're, you're a little bit shy. And you can relate to Moses saying, I just, I just can't do this. Let me tell you somebody else you can relate to. Ooh, ooh, y'all ready for this? It's Jeremiah. Read this one with me. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you, Jeremiah. Listen to what God's doing. God is filling him up. God is bolstering him, empowering him. Man, you are awesome, Jeremiah. I've done all these things for you. Now go and speak. And watch what he does. He says, Ah, Adonai, no. He says, I can't do it, for I am just a youth. But the Lord said to him, don't tell me I'm just a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, listen, guys, receive this. Receive this. Put your name, Susan, put your name in the place of Jeremiah. Steve, put your name in the place of Jeremiah. And whatever I, God, command you, Susan... Whatever I, God, command you, Jeremy, whatever I, God, command you, Jeremiah, you got to speak. And don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Wow, what an awesome verse. There it is again, though. Moses, like Gideon, like Jeremiah, like us. Lord, I'm sorry, but no. And God comes back to us and says, but yes, you can. This past week, guys, we'll go down as one of the more climactic, momentous events in our year. Those 33 miners were 2,500 feet under the earth's crust and surface for 60-plus days. It's a fascinating event, what, what happened. There's a man by the name of Igor Bravo. Igor Bravo, a Chilean, owns, he's an engineer who owns the company that was hired to diagnose the problem, the boulder, the issue that went down the shaft or however it happened, and it, it clogged it up, and so now they're there for over two months. His company was hired to diagnose the issue 
and then do whatever you got to do to extract those people. His name is Igor Bravo. He goes to the First Baptist Church of Santiago, Chile, okay? He loves the Lord. And he said, God, I think you're asking me to do more than just to help extract them from 2,500 feet under the surface. And God says, that's exactly right. I want you to minister to their spiritual needs as much as you're trying to minister to their physical needs. And so what does he do? He calls his preacher. He calls Pastor Louie, and he goes, Louie, whoo, he says, I'm an engineer, and I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm responsible. God is commissioning me to help those miners. And so his pastor said, well, man, let's do this. Let's send them some gospel material. So they did. They sent 33 Bibles for 33 men, and and they found as many of the Adrian Rogers sermons in Spanish that they could possibly find. And then they found as much Christian music in in Spanish as they could find. And they dropped it down the shaft and they gave it. And the three believers got... Y'all hadn't heard about this? NBC didn't tell tell y'all this? CBS didn't tell y'all what really happened? The spiritual revival that broke out under the ground? Here's what happened. Those Those three believers took the material. They started a Bible study. And it only they started out with three, two of the 33 more got saved. That means they gave their hearts to Jesus Christ, okay? So now they have gone from three believers to five believers, and they started a Bible study. And guess how many they had? Five. <laughs> five out of 33. I don't know about you, but if I'm down there in the Sheol of earth, I think I'm going to start looking up for help for God. So they started ministering. The five started ministering. So they went from five to ten. Their Bible study grew. And then they went from 5 to 10 to 15. One half of Austin go to church. Well, wouldn't that be amazing, you know? And so they go from 5 to 10 to 15 to 20. 20 of the 33 are huddled up, and I don't know how they're seeing. I don't know what the light's going on or matches. Or but they are studying, and they're listening to Dr. Adrian Rogers, who is dead, yet he speaketh. Amen. He's dead. He's in heaven. And this is what um, this Baptist engineer layman said about the whole thing. I'll quote him. He said, you know, yeah, I was very involved in the technical aspects, but I later got involved in the spiritual aspects. And you know what? This is Igor Bravo speaking. It has been such a blessing. I wonder if God said, Igor, I know you've ministered to their technical needs, but why don't you minister to their spiritual needs? And, and you know, he could say, oh, not me, Lord. I find this very interesting. God did not ask the pastor. He asked the engineer. What does that say about us? I'm not sure. <laughs> Sometimes it could be God is waiting on you to respond. That's what Dr. Noble, Perry Noble was saying. We say, oh, Lord, give me this word. i got to get the preacher. He's got to come. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. you got to do it. you got to serve. you got to go. I just think this is a fascinating story of a Baptist layman engineer who took on the responsibility. Ooh, listen to this part. I didn't tell the 930 service this, but guess what? You get the whole thing. He said, who's ministering to the families? Who's ministering to these 33 minor families? And they said, nobody. He says, well, I guess I will. Amazing. 
So he starts networking and contacting people who are serving and ministering and nurturing the families. Who is this Igor guy? My land, would he come to Austin and join our church, you know? Be obedient to God, serve God, reach out, do whatever God's asking you to do, and say, Lord, Adonai, yes. Woo! Say that again. Adonai, yes. Not Lord, no. I'm just, a, I'm just an engineer, Lord. Don't ask me to get all spiritual. That's what we pay those fellas at Great Hills to do. Now, that's what God's asking you to do and me to do. The last thing I want to share is just this word of giving. You know, giving of our time, giving of our talents. Moses, bless his soul. Look, guys, when you, when you read the rest of the story, here's what happens. Moses goes with Aaron. They speak to the children of Israel. Stay with me. Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh, 5-1. And Moses is going, oh, breathe, breathe. Pharaoh, hey, bless his soul. He's doing it. And Aaron's with him. But watch this. When you get into the plagues, it's not Aaron. It's Moses. He stepped way out on faith, and he has given the mandate to Pharaoh, let my people go. And so he's a giver. I, I want to I close with this. May God help us speak. May God help us go. And may God help us give. You know, God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse of the Lord so that it might be full, and see if I will not pour out the windows of heaven and bless you. And by the way, thank you. I mean, these last two weeks, Great Hills, you have just stepped up. We have met our budget. Hallelujah. Let's, let's keep on meeting our budget. But it's interesting to me. It goes much deeper than this. If he is Lord and the boss, then really tithing or witnessing or going on mission and being missional, those are no longer options for me, but those are imperatives for me. You say, wait a minute, time out. You hit a sucker punch. You hit me below the belt, preacher. Come on now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're telling me that if I really love God and call him Adonai, I'll do what he tells me. <laughs> yeah. You'll go, you'll give, you'll pray, you'll tithe, and it will be an awesome thing what God does among us here. Okay. I'm almost, I feel like that marathon runner now. I just feel like I just fall over. And, but that's the message that God just really emblazoned on my heart to give to you. It's almost like I've got this baton and I'm just going to give it off to you now and say, do what you got to do. You know? What did, what did God tell you today? He tell you anything? Did he tell you that he is the boss? He is the employer. We're the employee. He is the curios. We are the doulos. He is Adonai, and we are Ebed. We are servants, slaves of the Most High God. But in that, guys, let me just recapitulate this. Let me summarize this. Within that bondage is a tremendous, liberating freedom. And I just ask you today, would you step out? Would you trust him in this? Would you say, Lord, this is... Oh, mercy, Lord, are you really asking me to go to Belarus next summer? Lord, are you really asking me to help get a team to go to Honduras? God, are you really asking me to tithe? Oh, you got to be kidding, God. I, that's just ridiculous. You, 
Is that verse still on the screen? Put, put that, let's, let's, so that all can see. Yeah, bring it to the Lord. Bring his tithe. So I'm praying that God would do it. I'm praying God would just speak to you as he has spoken and profoundly spoken to me. So let's pray together. Our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, let me just wrap this up by saying, if God said it, just do it. What, whatever it is, you trust him. Remember the Facebook post? If God calls you to it, the moment you step out, he'll meet you right there. Some of you are here today and you have yet to step out for the very first time and trust God for salvation. I, I encourage you today, friend. If you are still the boss and God is your servant, that is a terrible way to live. Would you do a divine exchange this morning? Would you say, God, you are the king and now I am the servant. And I ask you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life, come into my heart, take away my sin. I commit my life to you, to serve you, to call you Lord and mean it. Would you do that today? Many of you listening on television, many of you downloading this on your iPods and on the Internet, and many of you here today need to do that. Say, Lord, you are the boss, and I give you my life today. Others of you today, man, you've been praying, you've been seeking the Lord for a church in Austin, and you've been looking for a place that you could wear yourself out and come and get refueled. And you do have this battleship mentality. You do have this radiant excitement, joy about you. Can I just tell you that you're who we want. We, we want you to come. We, we want you to come and help us. Help us. Please help us. So, Father, today I, I call upon your name. As God Most High, El Elyon, and Adonai, Lord, as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God of Israel, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus, I pray. I guess I just pray, Lord, it's not in vain that I speak and I pray and I give this message and it falls on hard soil. I just pray, God, with all my being, every fiber in my spiritual being, I pray. God, it falls on moist, tender hearts. And, Lord, you would just massage that seed and cause it to germinate, Lord, and sprout up. And, oh, Father, would it grow and produce a wonderful crop for the kingdom. Lord, as we stand to our feet in a moment, as Brother Terry leads us in song, as our pastors and our staff come, stand to the front. Lord, we just pray that you would move upon us in a sweet way. And God, you would draw those, Lord, that need to be here. God, you would draw them into relationship and relationship with us and our church. And Father, for the rest, just keep on working on them, God. Keep on loving on them. Keep on helping them, Lord, come to that place of surrender. And this is my prayer. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen with me. Amen. Would you stand up? God bless you as you come. Brother Terry, you lead us. Amen.